This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night, we're up the top of the tower. Of course, it can mean only one thing it's Christmas week, but it's also the end of year celebration now. Obviously, as you know, Radio City Talk, Fight Disciples. This is our weekly wrap up of the very best of Merseyside fight sports. And of course, I've got tonight, I've got an absolute treat for you before we finish for Christmas and come back in the new year. We are doing our annual. Review of the year. The view, review the very best bits of Merseyside's fight sports from 2018. You're going to hear all about it over the next 45 minutes. We're going to break down who the best fighter was, the best fight of the year, might have a knockout of the year, um, and we'll end the show. A uh, performance of the year, of course, and we'll end the show with our prospects for 2019. Now, of course, I couldn't do this with Adam Cattle because he's from... Stockport or Blackburn or somewhere weird. Uh, so I've brought in two ringers, of course, uh, the same guys that joined me last year, two local fight sports journalists. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Mr. One, Elliot Foster, boxing writer for the Liverpool Echo. Good evening, Foz. Good evening, Nick. How are we? Foz driving now. Isn't that great? Well, I'll be careful on the roads, although he's still rocked up 10 minutes late. Uh, and also joining me, I'm delighted to say, Chris Walker, uh, feature writer for Sporting News, Boxing News, PBC now as well, Chris. That's correct, yeah. Basically, if if you've read something good about boxing in 2018, pretty much guarantee Chris Walker's byline was on it. You can't be a bit any more of a tribute than that. Um, but of course, we're here to talk about Merseyside fight sport at the moment. That's why you've got three scousers in the room. We've been absolutely treated in 2018. And let me hit you with some stats before we get going. 47 active professionals from Merseyside in 2018. Combined, they had 79 wins, 32 losses, and one draw between a lot of them. We saw 25 title fights featuring Scousers, or Merseysiders, should I say. And that was for one Central Area title fight, three Commonwealth title fights, one British title fight, three versions of a European title fight. Not the European, but versions of a European. And then nine interim international silver belt title fights. We had six world title fights featured in Merseysiders and right at the top of the tree for the first time ever in the history of, of Liverpool boxing, we had two lads fight for ring slash undisputed world title belts. Sensational stuff. What are you two passing about over there? Are you trying to guess who did what over there? Foz has just provided me with some little information. I forgot who the central area title The central area was, was won by... Steve Brogan. Stevie Brogan, there you go. Before Against we st- Brad Botham at the Liverpool Olympia on September the 30th. <laughs> oh, here we go. That wasn't your fight of the year, was it, Foz? No. All right, OK. <laughs> we'll come back to that then. Here's one question for you then. Who was Merseyside's most, most active professional in 2018? Most I'll, active pro. Who I'll, had the most fights? I'll say Anthony Fowler. It's a good guess. Foz? No, do you know what? It was... Uh, was it Craig Glover? Wasn't Craig Glover? No, no. So there was two lads have had five this year already. There's a clue. One lad fights this coming weekend Sam for his Maxwell. fifth of the year. That's Sam Maxwell. Sam Maxwell, Alex Dickinson, and Anthony Fowler. Once Maxwell fights this weekend, all had five fights this year. However, someone had one more, and it wasn't Craig Glover. Alex Dickinson's also on this weekend, by the way. Oh, Alex Dickinson oh. could go six and zero then. Is he? Um, what yeah. shows that? He's on the uh, Warrington Framptonville. Oh, there you go. So he could go six and zero, oh, which would join my leader 
who actually went 0 for 6. It was Ricky Starkey, the journeyman featherweight. He had six outings in 2018. Uh, he didn't win any of them, but he was the Merseyside's most busiest fighter. Uh, where should we start? I think there's only one place to start, isn't there? Our Boxer of the Year. We've got to start at the very beginning. The shining light for the city. As I said at the top of the show, incredible this year. We had six world title fights involving Scousers. Only two of them ended up ended uh, ended up victorious. One of them ended the year with his world title belt. Um, I am, of course, talking about Callum Smith, WBA super super middleweight champion, WBC diamond belt champion, Ring Magazine champion, and our league sofa champion. Only two fights for Callum this year, but let's be honest, that went over George Groves, Chris. That was absolutely incredible, and you know potentially the standout moment of the year. Yeah, I think if if Callum would only had one fight in 2018, it was the George Groves win. Then it'd still be hard to look past them. Um, I remember watching the performance, and it was a performance that I knew he had in him. Obviously, from his, his rise through the professional ranks, but I just think in the last couple of years, the same nastiness, ferociousness had gone missing from him. The, the quarter final against Scotland, and then he had the semi final too. And like I said, I think it, it just didn't seem like the same Callum Smith that we watched against Rocky Field and Mohammadi just blasting out people in one round. So I had Callum against Groves, a, a very, very tight fight, and, and what unfolded, um, it was just absolutely superb, a, a real standout moment for British boxing I thought yeah the only disappointment of course that it took place in Jeddah of all places but going into the tournament though well the three of us all fancied Callum Smith to win it and while he didn't have the most perfect progress to the final he ultimately delivered when it mattered he did deliver when it mattered and it was it was the cherry on the icing on the top of the cake that performance it was it was scintillating and it was something that we all knew as Chris said we all knew Callum had in him we were just we were just waiting for it we've We've all heard how good Callum has been since he turned pro. We've all heard how good Callum can be. And from speaking to him recently, he feels like he's still got a hell of a lot more to give despite having reached the pinnacle. Yeah, well, of course, that could be the highlight of 2019 if this fight comes off at Anfield, of course, in May, which is being much mooted. But going into that fight then, Chris, as I say, there was a lot of... There was a lot of talk around his performances against Nicky Holtzkin in the semi-final, against Scotland in the quarter-final, saying, well, is he all that, you know, is he, has he got what it takes, can he beat George Groves, you know, truly the, the number one in the division at 12 stone at the time going into that final. There was obviously pressure on the fact that for years we've all been saying he's the best of the four brothers, he's going to make do more than the four brothers. He had to wait, let's face it, he was number one contender for the WBC belt for about three years as well. To wait so long... To put, meet someone like George Groves at the peak of his powers, to do it over, it it looked like the the cards were starting to stack against him. So to perform like that, the way he did, absolutely incredible. It it was. I think with most tournaments, in doesn't matter what sport it is. I think when momentum's built through a tournament, you sort of back the team or back the person who's building that momentum. And George Groves built some serious momentum in that tournament, and Callum seemed a little bit flat. He was he was going through the gears in, in the quarters and in the semi. Groves blasted out Jamie Cox with one shot. Didn't put a foot wrong against Chris Eubank in a fight that many expected him to lose. Me included, yeah. And then you go into that final and you think the momentum's favouring George Groves here. He's got experience. His last two fights, he's looked brilliant. There was a slight concern about his shoulder. Um, the fight got got put off and there was rumours whether the fight was even going to happen at all. But I spoke to Joe Gallagher the, about two or three weeks before the final and it was just on a, a separate matter. It was against... Um, we were speaking about when Batavia was fighting Callum Johnson 
And we just got speaking about the Callum fight and, and Joe kind of convinced me in that conversation that Callum was going to do it. He basically was telling me that Callum was saving his best to the final. He was getting to the final in second gear, yeah. taking no risks, avoiding cuts, clash, head clashes, anything like that. And that we were going to see the best Callum Smith in the final. And sometimes in boxing, when you hear someone speak, they, they, they do persuade you. You get convinced, um, you believe what they're selling. And once I spoke with Joe Gallagher, I did sort of switch to Callum there. And the way Joe explained the fight to him, he was pretty much how Callum performed on the night against George Groves. Yeah, absolutely. To, to beat the champion, L, to, to finish the champion, to drop him in his own corner and make him shake his head to his corner team, to, to physically quit. Like that. That's how you win a world title, isn't it? That's the best way to do it. Is that not? Is that not what everyone aspires to do? Of course. You know, we've, like I said before, we've all, we've all expected Callum to do it. Now we've watched him do it. Now we want to know what he can go on to achieve, even further down the line. Does if he does fight? If he does fight at Anfield, who does he fight? If it's a big name, is it a Golovkin? Is it a Canelo? You know, we need. He he's got his heart set on that Anfield date. It's down to Eddie Sky Matchroom to zone now to make it happen. Yeah. But Callum's done his bit. Callum's got the hard way to be able to make it happen. Now it's down to Eddie Sky Matchroom and the zone. Like I said, do you think it does need to be a Canelo or a Triple G to 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 put decent bums on seats at Anfield? Well, yeah, I do because you look at you look at Bellew when he when he boxed at Goodison Park. Yes, he boxed the London Macabu for the for the vacant world title. And there were there were how many? Fifteen, eighteen thousand in there that night. I think with, I think with the right opponent, Callum could could get twenty plus in there yeah. at Anfield, but it's gotta be the right opponent. And the the powers that be have got to get the as Joe Gallagher said, get the get the money out the safe. Yeah. And um and back it. Canelo, Triple G versus Callum Smith. Do you think it does twenty thousand plus, Chris, at Anfield? I think it does good business, definitely. I don't think it's. I don't think we're going to see Callum against either of them fighters, though. Um, Why is I, that? Because it's too much of a risk for them. Yeah, I, I just think. I think is it hard to get those fighters off American soil just because of American pay per view? Is that I, what it is? I think there's unfinished business for both in the middleweight division as well. Um, I, I don't. I think another fight he wants is Andre Ward. Um, I, I think with. Golovkin, you're probably going to get people in the background saying, well, he was just a middleweight, um, Canelo had already beat him. I think, obviously, just another brief conversation I had with Joe, they wanted to be the, the perfect fight. They want something big, something spectacular. So, Andre Ward, if you can get him out of retirement, he's undefeated, he's pretty much beat um, all the big names around super middle and light heavyweight. What a scalp that would be for Carl. But Smith. He, was, he was pound for pound, number one, for a long time, but then... Bellew tried to get Ward out of retirement when Bellew was at the peak of his powers. So, you know, why would Callum, why would Andre Ward come out of retirement to fight Callum Smith in in Liverpool as well? I think with Bellew, he was always the size issue. He was at um, so he campaigned at heavyweight for two years, um, cruised away for a couple of years as well. I think that would have been taking Ward out of his comfort zone. I think I don't think he can make one six eight no more. But mm-hmm. I certainly think if a fight between him and Callum could be arranged at one hundred and seventy five for some sort of title there. Then I think both camps would be happy with that. Um, I think Ward, he's still doing interviews. Um, you see him, he's at shows, he, he, he's still very relevant. Um, yeah. He's not like retired and, and disappeared like some fighters do. He's still about, he's still on the scene, he still faces questions about whether he's come back. And they don't really seem to be conclusive answers as well. So I, I do think there's something out there for Ward, whether he thinks it's Callum Smith, then that's a different question altogether. But 
I think Calm's next step, like I said, it, it, it's got to be a super fight. As Elliot's just touched on, he, he's, he's lived up to this side of the bargain now. He's got to get back now the way certain other fighters are getting back by the promoters in this country. Calm deserves the biggest push that's possible. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think we all agree that Boxer of the Year, certainly Callum Smith for 2018, potentially Performance of the Year as well for that performance against George Groves. Anything else catch your eye this year, performance-wise, Foz? Um, there's, <clears> been, there's been that many fights this year involving Merseysiders and that many shows that I've been to that have that have involved good fights that yeah. it's it's difficult really to just pick pick out one performance and not and not leave it not leave anybody out. But hundred and twelve fights this year. You know. hundred and twelve fights. Featuring featuring Merseysiders. So I listen, I, I personally thought Robbie Davis going up to the northeast and beating Glenn Foot become British Commonwealth champion was a standout moment, of course. Rocky Fielding going over to Germany, beating Tyron Zuga, incredible moment. Tony Bellew, the rematch with David Hay, absolutely blew him away. I'm sure we'll come on to them a little bit later on the show. Um, in regards to, let's just finish off then with, with Callum Smith, Chris. Would a unification fight with Ramirez, does that make sense next? A unification fight makes sense 99% of the time. It's, it's just making the fights. I think with the... The TV situation everywhere now, fighters, sorry, promoters don't want the fighters fighting on other networks unless it's it's completely financially viable to them. Um, I'd love to see Callum and Ramirez, um, but I, I do think from Callum's perspective and, and, and as, as trainer Joe Gargo's perspective, they want a super fight. I don't know if Ramirez falls into that category. Um, I think if a Golovkin-Canelo could be made, Andre Ward... That'd be the route that, that yeah. Galgan and They're like the only three though, aren't they? Because even at light heavyweight now, yeah. there's no there's no cover ever there no more. Yeah, I think Badu Jack would be a, a good fight. Yeah. Um, I think but he's that, got, again that's up at light heavyweight. Yeah, that's at light heavyweight. I think he's got the certainly got the profile. Um, British fans know who he is from his, his brilliant fight with James De Gale. Even even De Gale and Eubank, that that fight's been mentioned quite a while now. Um it was meant to be happening in January. I don't know what's happened with it. Um January twelfth was the, the date I heard, but yeah. that 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 seems to to have obviously just gone missing now. If that fight can take place on ITV, that'll do wonders for the the, the winner's profile, whether it's the Gale or Eubank, and maybe that'll tickle Callum's fancy at the time. Yeah, would you like to see Callum in with? Um, one of one of one of the mentioned three. Yeah, but the like Chris said, the viability of it is is slim. You know, it's it's un it's unlikely that we'll get any. Any of those three in, so we'll so we're looking at the second tier, if you like. Yeah. If they if they are the super fights, then in Which terms are, of the, yeah. in terms of the unifications, we're looking at the, at second tier opponents. Yeah. And and then we're talking. You need to be you need to beef up an undercard to, if you're going to even think about mm. doing Anfield against anybody. Yeah. But one of those three. And a and a Gilberto Ramirez, while it's a unification fight, doesn't put as many bums on seats as a Golovkin. A Canelo or a Ward, and for for someone like Eddie Hearn for Sky Sports, that's what it's about. It's about putting bums on seats, and it's about earning the most money, yeah. N- not just for themselves, but also lining Callum Smith's pockets as well. Absolutely. Well, listen, at this stage, it's all about money. Once you win that world title, it's all about cashing in. And Callum Smith, amazing side boxer of the year for 2018, the current Ring Magazine, the WBA Super Super Middleweight World Champion, <coughs> WBC 
Diamond Belt champion, of course, the Ali Trophy winner, the city's first ever Ring Magazine champion, a worthy winner. Stick with us, you'll listen to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Coming up in part two, we're going to be talking knockouts with the big boys. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I've just had a laugh during the break because... Foz come up with the great question just as the adverts come in there. Who was the draw, by the way? And I was like, ho, 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 we'll talk about that after the break. So, the draw, the one draw in 112 fights that I say earlier on, yeah. was, he made his debut in 2018 as well. Is that any more of a clue? Former MMA fighter? Jack McGann. Jack McGann. Jack McGann made his debut in the summer and had a draw against in. Emmanuel Musinga. There you go. Let's, listen, it's too late now. It's at too the, late now spouting your knowledge, Foz. At the banqueting suite in Leeds. You were there as well. Were you there? I wasn't. Oh, right, okay. You obviously but, streamed it or watched it, but you knew all about it. Look, see, the, the information was at your fingertips. Okay, we started the show by saying who had the, who was the busiest fighter in 2018. Um now I want to ask you, who had a nightmare 2018? One fighter, I'm not talking about Ricky Starkey now, one fighter had three fights in 2018 and failed to register a victory. I'll say Masha Dodd. Masha Dodd. It was Masha Dodd, yeah. Two Commonwealth title fights. He lost his Commonwealth title. He was in decent company for the first Oh, absolutely, two, of course. Yeah, yeah. Then he went down to he went down to Wales to fight for the vacant Commonwealth belt. Uh, and then, disappointingly, I think last time out at, at the Olympia as well, he suffered his third defeat of the year. Tough year for Masha Dobby. He wasn't <clears> the only one. Price, he suffered two defeats this year. Uh, Liam Smith obviously fought for a world title and lost this year. Paul Butler lost one in three this year. Um, Rocky Fielding, of course, lost his world title last weekend. And, and Tony Bellew, last year's the 2017 Boxer of the Year, uh, beat David Hay, but unfortunately lost to Alexander Usyk. All those guys in the elite, elite class, might I add. Um, before we move on to our knockout of the year, then I just want to mention uh, the other fighters that won titles in 2018. Obviously, we've talked about Callum Smith. We've talked about Rocky winning it and then losing the belt. Martin Murray won the WBC silver title this weekend. He returns uh, this coming this upcoming weekend, sorry, should I say. He won the WBC silver at the start of the year. Robbie Davis, uh, one of the performances of the year when he went up to the Northeast and won the British and Commonwealth belts. JJ Metcalf, disappointing year for JJ, hit by injury. Uh, only one fight, but he did win the WBC International Super Welterweight title. And of course, at the top of the show, Young Foz knew our Central Area champion, newly crowned for this year, was of course... Stevie Brogan. Now, knockouts. We've had some big ones this year. Unfortunately, Scousers have been on the end of one or two incredible knockouts this year. Um, but we've also scored some decent knockouts as well. Uh, Alex Dickinson has bagged three knockouts in his five wins this year already. Anthony Fowler, his all five wins have been five stoppages. Uh, of course, we mentioned earlier on Callum Smith's sensational performance against George Groves. I've got, personally, Rocky Fielding's stoppage win over uh, Tyron Zuga up there. But my number one, I've got to be honest, my number one knockout for the year was Anthony Fowler against Craig O'Brien. Uh, one-punch knockout, clean as you like, head off the bottom rope, had everything that we love. El, what was the uh, what was your favourite knockouts? I enjoyed Fowler against uh, Kalilu Dembele. Uh, that, was, that was one that I did enjoy. That was in... Um... It was in Newcastle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And was that, not, that was his debut, wasn't it? No. Was that not his debut? No. That was earlier this year. 
and um, another one, even though even though it was against the Scouse fighter. Another one was... You're not allowed to pick knockouts against Scouse fighters, Al. This is celebrating Merseyside Boxing of 2018. I'm not having you choose a knockout over a Scouser. Get back in your box. Just over to you, Chris. Suspend them from the Honestly, show Honestly, God, unbelievable. We're <laughs> celebrating Merseyside Boxing here. Merseyside Boxing's been great this year. Exactly. But I just, so, well, I just you enjoyed one Why do you need to pick knockout? a knockout against one of us, then? Honestly, you, I'll tell microphone. you I'll, I'll stick with Anthony Fowler. I fought his knockout um, in his last fight against... Um, Jose Carlos Paz, um, as well as being a brilliant shot, it was a sort of a statement win as well. Um, Paz is quite experienced. Argentinian, he'd been in a good company and pretty much Val just took him apart with a, a well-timed left up to the body. I also like Robbie Davis's knockout back in March when he fought Sirawaka. Oh, revenge. That was, a, um, that was, a, there was so much pressure on Robbie that fight and I think he pretty much nailed it. Got it um, flawless from round one to 11 and then Obviously, he carried out the knockout in the last round, the the fight that he faced in the, the first fight against Sirawaka, so that must have been nice for him. But I want to stick with Anthony Fowler. I think your 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 pick was good, Nick. That was an explosive knockout, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for body shots, and I think um, that left up to the body that just finished Paz completely was just a superb shot from young Anthony. What was you going to mention about your knockout against the Scouser then? Come on, what was you going to say? Well, be careful here, because these people are friends of ours. I know. You could get filled in any minute. Well, I'm going to leave it. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> you absolute coward. Uh, Alex Dickinson, the big heavyweight, had a couple of big knockouts this year. He did, and there was, there was a fight between that Alex Dickinson was involved in back in March at the uh, at Greenbank. Uh, I forget his opponent's name now. Ivan Emelov. But Ivan Emelov indeed. However, that was a cracking four, little four-rounder. It was supposed to be a six lap, but it got down downgraded to a four at the very last minute. It was on an MTK Liverpool show back in March. Sam Maxwell also boxed, boxed on that card along with Jed Carroll, and that was a that was a brilliant four rounder. That reminded me of the four rounder from a few years ago between Sean Dodd and Lee Connolly on a Caldwell show at the same at the Olympia mm-hmm. when. Um, I think Rod Smith challenged a scouser for the central area title. That it was just it was just toe to toe. Both fighters giving it their all, and Alex came out on top. Yeah, I also like this year. Um, there was a big knockout for Sam Maxwell. Remember that one over in Belfast, the yeah. first round. That was it Belfast or Dublin, the first round knockout. It was um, in Belfast, wouldn't it? Was it Belfast, yeah. the Odyssey Arena or wherever it is in yeah. Belfast? Yeah, Carrera, I think it was. He That was a first-round blowout. That was an incredible one from Salmon. Uh, another one, stepping up a level. I think a lot of these are like, you know, uh, you know, not journeymen, but imported fighters getting caught cold or whatever. But I think it always it's always more significant, Chris, when you get a knockout in a real fight. Yeah. And this year, we've seen a real fight for Craig Glover against Simon Valerie. He went up to the northeast. They give up home advantage. Valerie was talking the talk, walking the walk. He was being completely unconventional inside the ring. He was he was dancing around, trying to throw Craig off it. But for me, that was when Craig Glover emerged as a genuine talent in this cruiserweight division. Yeah, we were talking about Anthony Fowler's um, highlight reel before. I think that was a bit disrespectful for Craig because he's been sensational when he's um, when he's been in action this year. And I think I think the issue with the the Valerie fight was how long it'd go because Craig had quite a number of first round knockouts on his record, so he was under a lot of pressure there. He he took like a a big test against Valerie, probably a lot. If Craig was looked after by say like one of the biggest promoters in the sport, um, 
he wouldn't have faced a test like that early no, in his wouldn't. career. But he's got he's got Bellion looking after him. Bellion believes in him fully. Um, he knew that was a test that Craig needed, and he passed it with flying colours. Uh, certainly one to look out for in 2019. Craig Glover, he's, de- he's definitely on my shortlist of uh, of UK fighters, or UK prospects. <laughs> we'll come up to that later on the show. But do you me, think he's me. ready for a step up now? Would you step him up? I'd, I'd step Craig up. Um, I think they're looking at Wadi Camacho next, but Cruiserweight's quite exciting in Britain at the moment. Um, obviously, with Bellew leaving the sports. Yeah. There's, there's, there's Coley, Askin. There's a, there's a vacancy to be filled. Yeah, um, Chamberlain. There's, the there's good scene, names yeah. there. Yeah. Coley's out in front at the moment, but mm-hmm. I think every time I watch a Coley, I, I look at him and he, he seems to be getting the job done. Um, in his own way, rather than like... Not a very attractive... Yeah, there's nothing that, that, spectacular, that, that, is there? That's it, and I think, I think obviously because of his style and the way he fights, that's why he's getting put in with such hard tests. Um, I think his promoters, those looking after him, are just seeing what he's worth. Um, and like I said, he's, he's, he's winning fights at the moment. He's not winning them with a, a conventional style, an eye-pleasing style, but when you're winning fights, I suppose that's all that matters. But I think Glover can definitely, should be looking at British title, Commonwealth title before the end of the year. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how his, his progress goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had seven fighters make their debuts this year. You know, most of them on small hall shows. You probably caught these guys uh, live more than me and Chris did. Yeah. Uh, the busiest out of the seven was uh, Nathan Corliss. He made his debut back in March, three fights in 2018. Yeah. Went clean. Jack McGann, as we mentioned earlier, won one and drew one this year. Mm. Uh, Connor Butler, Wes McSweeney, Adam Farrell, and Mick Gerrard all had their pro debuts this year as well. Any of them jump out? Uh, I know it's early days for them, but I know Adam. I'm, I've sparred with Adam years ago. Adam was a university champion, ABA champion, uh, former Solly graduate, of course, now with the Solly pro team. I know what he's all about, but is, is he the pick of the bunch there, do you say? Adam was supposed to box on the Jolly Boys show a couple of weeks back, but he had a hand injury which forced him out of that. He'll be back on um, March the second at the Olympia on a on a Steve Wood show. Yeah, Qualis is also back on that show. Yeah, uh, Qualis has impressed me because he was he did what he had to do on his debut, and then in his in his next two fights, he sort of each time you've noticed Mark him adapting to the him adapting to the pro style a lot more. Yeah, and I think. Under under the likes of Tommy Smith and um, Chris Bauer and Paul Edwards, the, the he'll be he'll be looked after well, and he'll he'll get the, he'll progress yeah. in twenty nineteen. Absolutely, we're seeing the emergence now, Chris, in this city. ERT kind of blazed the trail. I think they were the first <laughs> to go pro am, but the Solia pro am now. There's a couple of other gyms going pro am. Do you think this is the the trend moving forward that you're going to see it a lot more? Uh, I thought we would have seen it. Going back quite a few years ago, um, I said when did once the once it was signed off? You mean once yeah, it was allowed? Well, I yeah, think the ERT done it around two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven, around then time because I think Farag and Satchel just went pretty much from the ABAs to yeah. making the pro debuts under the same trainers, Paul and, and Mick Stevenson at the time. Um, but I don't know. I think it's it's threatened to do it several times, hasn't it? Rotunda went pro and when when Bellew was there under Mick McAllister. I think Kirby were going to do it when when Dave Kennedy had. Um, I think it was a little Mick Johnson. Yeah. So I think every club's teased it and, 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 and sampled it, but I don't know. I think there's a, there's a lot of traditionalists in amateur boxing who, who always believe amateurs and pros should be yeah. treated separate. And 
I think as but, long but as... But listen, if Alan Lynch can embrace it, yeah. no, no offence to Alan, <laughs> he's the most traditional of all. Look how long it took Alan to do it, though. Like I said, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot more... There's a, there's a lot of people in the city from the, the same cloth as, as Alan. Um, Alan was one of the last to, to fully believe in it. I didn't think Alan would ever do it, to Me be neither. fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, he's probably going to see a lot of success in the next few years because the names Elliot's just mentioned. Like I said, Paul Edwards... Crack and coach knows boxing inside out. So I think once clubs start getting success, and um, I think money's a big factor as well. Like I said, if you've got a an amateur kid who's coming through and the gym he's with, um, want want to keep him pro and sorry turn him pro, and this is going to be a kid who's going to make a lot of money. It makes sense for the for the club to do it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's quite a hard one. I think I thought it would have been a, a trend that would have took off when Everton Red Triangle done it back in 2010, but it didn't seem to catch on. I'm unsure whether it will now, to be fair. Yeah, there's quite a lot of going in reverse as well. No limits have kind of had a pro team. Now they've got an amateur team. Derry yeah. had a pro stable. Now he's very much got a, an amateur stable as well. So it does make sense. It's kind of like football, isn't it? If you're going to invest in these kids, invest time. You know, we all know ourselves. Oh, th- those amateur coaches that you've just mentioned, like of Alan, you know, Alan Lynch has turned more lives around in this city than pretty much every other institution put together alone. And he's just running one boxing club. So the 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 amount of work that the amateur boxing gyms do and their coaches who are largely doing it for free, 99% of them do it for absolutely zip, it's only right that they should reap the rewards of kids when they turn profe- professional later on. Of all them clubs then, Foz, the, the biggest performers this year, if you like, have got to be a ERT, haven't they? They've, ERT. they've, had, a, they've had a great year. Be- they have had a great year. They've had Alex Dickinson, yeah. who, as we said, has had has had five wins this year. Six this weekend. Going to have six going. this weekend if he keeps going. They've um, they've seen Nick Ball. Yeah. He knocked out Brian Phillips. Yeah. It back in July, I think it was. Stopped him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mishak Spear. Mishak is a quality fighter. Mishak. Yeah. Mishak's one of one of my prospects for 2019, but we'll come on to that later. Um, you know, there's. There are there are a number of there are a number of others. You mentioned Conor Butler earlier. He's just he's recently turned over, and um, re- in the pa- in the past few weeks actually, uh, Harry Woods, a former Kirby and Tower Hill amateur, and Jonathan Walsh, they've both turned over under Paul Stevenson and Bradley Strand, the uh, the reigning ABA elite champion at fifty six kilo. Yeah. He's gone over and will make his pro debut in the um, in the early in the new year under Paul Stevenson and the Everton wow. Red Triangle. And things are exploding over there. They've got this wicked relationship, or I don't know if it is a relationship, but KBBC seems to be at a bit of a feeder club for Everton Red Triangle's pro yeah. division. Uh, it, it just seems to work so well over there. We had, we, you know, I've, I've had Paul in the studio. I've had some of those lads in the studio as well. For me, one of the big performances this year was certainly. Uh, was certainly young Nick Ball in that derby match. And we've seen another one the other week, actually, that I want to make note of. I think Tom McGuinness went into that fight with, uh, with Colin, Colin Day, Day as a ma- as a favourite. I don't want to say massive favourite, but as, as certainly as a favourite. And I thought Colin Day was absolutely outstanding. Colin was brilliant, and Tom had an off night. And I've spoke to Tom since, and he's he said, it's done, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, and I want And I want to move on now, you know. Yeah. It, 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 he said... He said, "I need to get back on the horse as soon as possible, and then if I get the opportunity to avenge that defeat down the line, I would love to." Yeah. But it was a cracking fight between two cracking lads, and obviously Colin came out on top. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, you're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. This is the review of Merseyside Fight Sports with a little bit of MMA news coming at the top of part three. Stick with us. I'm still in the studio with the one and only Little Foz and Chris Walker. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. If you just join us, where you've been, we are doing the review of the very best of Merseyside Fight Sports from 2018. The first two parts were absolutely dedicated to the world of boxing, delighted to say, uh, young Elliot Foster. And Mr Chris Walker is still joining me in the studio to wrap up 2018's boxing year for this fine city. Um, if you just joined in, as I say, you've missed us announce that Callum Smith is our Boxer of the Year for 2018. His performance against George Groves, also one of the standout moments of the year. For Knockout of the Year, check out Anthony Fowler's resume from the past 12 months. Uh, and for Jim of the Year, a team that have done incredibly well, look no further than Evan Red Triangle. Before we move on to the what to look out for in 2019, our hottest prospects, I do want to just quickly do a, a wrap-up of the very best of mixed martial arts from the past 12 months now. Anyone that follows MMA in this city knows that we've been uh, we've made history in the last in, in 2018. Not only did the UFC Octagon finally come to Liverpool for the very first time for UFC Fight Night Liverpool, uh, courtesy of Darren Till taking on then world number one Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But of course, Darren Till then followed that up by becoming the first scouser in history to challenge for the UFC world title when we all went to Dallas. And Darren took on Tyron Woodley. It come a little bit too soon for the gorilla, but absolutely he will be back in 2019. He is absolutely the pioneer when it comes to Liverpool and the top of the MMA game right now. We've never had anybody ranked as highly as Darren Till is, and he's just a baby. He's just getting started. Stick with him. It's not a loss, it's a lane. He will be back and back in style in 2019. Standout club. Look no further than Everton Red Triangle, of course. So many fighters, so many titles. The, the three flagship fighters, it was a tough 2018, I've got to be honest. Paddy the Baddy suffered another defeat and then was rocked by a hand injury, which kept him out for most of the year. Molly McCann made a UFC debut, but lost it at the Echo Arena. And Chris Fishgold finally made his UFC debut after best part of 18 months in the wilderness and unfortunately suffered a defeat again. Wait to see the reaction from those three fighters. That's all I've got to say, because that's stable. It's littered with talent. They will not lie down, expect big things from them in 2019 for sure. Right, coming back to boxing then. What are you, what are you passing over there now? What, no. have I, what have I said wrong? Not on your vein. It's just some gossip, that's all. It's just, just, just gossip over the table, eh? Okay. Uh, let's come back to the world of boxing then, men, um, because I want to talk to you about prospects. And before we get into our tips for who to look out for from, from Merseyside and beyond in 2019, let me also just quickly run through fighters that went undefeated representing Merseyside in 2018. Jazza Dickens, on multiple continents, might add, went 3-0 with three knockouts in 2018. Tom Farrell bounced back from his first career defeat in 2017 with three wins of his own uh, over the last 12 months. Craig Glover, we've talked about, he went 4-0 with four straight knockouts. Jay Farrell, uh, the big cruiserweight, he went 3-0 this year. And Nathan Bennett, um, he went four and zero this year to to make his take his resume, should I say, up to five and zero for his entire career. Jed Carroll won all three in 2018. He's now nine and zero. Uh, Mishak Spear, we've talked about. He won both of his by knockout. Luke Ball, he won three this year with two stoppages. And Colin Day went two and zero with that big win over Tom McGuinness. 
The only one I'm missing off that list is one of my prospects for 2019, Chris. And he went 2-0 and this year. He was inactive, but not for a want of trying. He will fight any lightweight on the planet. I am, of course, talking about Luke Willis, who I think is one to watch as we go into the new year. Yeah, Luke's an outstanding talent, and he always has been. Um, he's due a bit of luck, um, Luke. Like I said, I know he's been rocked by injuries and some things outside the ring and stuff like that. So I think if Luke can just stay focused and stay busy in 2019, he should be knocking on the door of a title at the very end of it. Um, he seems to make a bit of calling out every single fighter. Um, I know he's dying for a fight with Masha Dodd. Might be a fight that, that Masha needs to take at some point in 2019 with the results he's had this year. That'd be a brilliant um, Liverpool-Birkenhead clash. But yeah, I think if Luke, can, if Luke can just have a little bit more luck, stay in the gym, get fights off his manager, Steve Wood, then I, I think Luke will be in a good place at the back end of 2019. Yeah, 9-0 now, Luke. But, um, you know, he lives, eats, sleep, sleeps, boxing, fuzz. Uh, he's infectious to be around. He's one of them lads, and I've had him in the studio, and he's absolutely infectious. You know, and he just wants to make it happen for to get his life going. Really, he's gone through a hell of a tough time this year, Luke. But I've seen him several times, and I've never once seen him without a smile. <laughs> yeah, it's it's people. It's people like Luke that that keep others going because they they know that okay, it may be a brave face every now and again, but it's needed. And it's needed to push themselves on. Luke, Luke, Luke isn't the sort of fella that will keep himself down in the dumps when he's feeling low. He'll want to get in the gym. He'll want to. He'll want to train. He wants to. He wants to feel that buzz. Yeah. And ultimately, in twenty nineteen, the fi- the fights need to roll in thick and fast to get him to where to where he wants to be. Yeah. Isn't that a, isn't that a similar shout though, Chris? For pretty much all the lads at No Limits, there's a great stable there, but. Ninety percent of them, it's the same problem. They're not active enough. Yeah, I've often wondered whether they, they, they go out and spar. I've, I've never ever, because I look at the lads there; they're all around the same weight. Yeah. Um, around like lightweight, um, ten stone, like welterweight, um, and if if they're pushing each other hard and they're learning from the spars, then maybe they don't need to go elsewhere. But in our sparring, doesn't really. You, you've got to go outside your comfort zone and and, and stuff like that and. Maybe I'm being harsh on the lads at no limits because they could go out and get all the best sparring possible. I don't know, but I, I do look at them and I think like they all around a similar weight and, and sparring must be very very easy for them. It, it's right on the doorstep. So, but they're a good gym. Um, they, they, they're still finding their feet in the pro game. Like I said, they've only been in the sport for yeah. Like compared to other gyms in the city, they're pretty much newcomers. But they're getting good results. They're learning every single fight and. Like I said, I wish them all the best for 2019 because there's some good lads there and, and, and they do take the sport very serious. Yeah. One one person who also suffered this year, Alan, it seemed to be his breakout moment and then he suffered a horrific injury just when he was about to have a title wrapped around his waist was Mason Cartwright. Mm. Um, he was brilliant in that WBO European fight against uh, Darren Tetley, Tetley up on Leeds on that amazing, you know, that amazing outcome and parade that we saw for, for Josh Warrington who fights this upcoming weekend when he won the world title from Selby but that was that when you go back and watch that fight again Mason was brilliant That was he had that fight in the bag and then he, he suffered that horrible I know he got knocked down the round before but he was he was well in front and then he suffered that face injury that laceration to his lip and you know I know he's eager to come back in 2019 as well well Mason was suppo- Mason was supposed to come back um, yeah. earlier, ago, earlier this month actually in uh, in Bolton, but a mix up with medicals or whatever. Yeah. Um. 
meant that meant that he couldn't fight. He was gonna he was gonna fight for the vacant European. I think it was, the, uh, was it the same belt, WBO yeah, European, the vacant WBO European title. Yeah, because uh, Tetley had given it up rather it, than face him again. Rather than face him again. Um, interestingly, Tetley beat uh, Tetley beat Cartwright to win that title, relinquished it, and then in his next fight, he boxed Willie Warburton. Right. So, I don't know what I don't know what um, Tetley's team plan on doing with him, but it's it seems to have worked in favour of Mason, Mason Cartwright, and he'll be another one that will be hammering the door down to his manager Steve Wood, begging to get on that March the second show at the Olympia just to keep himself active. Yeah, another miss said that suffered a first defeat this year. Chris was uh, Natasha Jonas, and it was a painful defeat as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it was the kind of defeat you see at the end of a fighter's career where maybe they just like just think they've got that that one last fight in them. Um, it was quite concerning the defeat. Like I said, she took a lot of punches. Um, she was on the floor when when she got stopped. It, it just it, it was very uncomfortable to view. But like I said, it, she's very very strong character, Natasha. Um, always has been. Um, she's come back from adversity before, and it's a very very big year for her in two thousand nineteen. Um, if it one more defeat, obviously it could be disastrous for her. Yeah. Um, we also said goodbye. Finally, officially, he announced it just a few weeks ago in the aftermath of the uh, of fighting for the undisputed cruiserweight championship belt of the world and the ring magazine belt and everything else. All the marbles were on the table, but he just he just didn't have it at the final at the final fence. Of course, Tony Bomberbell, you last year's. Merseyside Boxer of the Year, Hunger's Gloves up this year. And we, I think we get to look back now, Chris, don't we? And one of the greatest careers in the history of, the, of Merseyside Boxing. Yeah, it was, it was a... It, was, it, was a, it would it was have been a, a fairy tale finish, yeah, let's it, be honest. It was, it was a sour end. Um, like I said, it was, I was speaking about Tasha then and that being unpleasant view, and it, was, it wasn't it was nice to watch. Um, obviously, Bellew's given awful lot to British boxing, to boxing on a whole, obviously, since he turned pro back in 2007. So... To see him go out like that wasn't wasn't the end that he deserved, but I think it was more. Don't you think? Like, don't you think ultimately though that was the only way he could go out? It, it was the end that he needed. Yeah, I think, he, yeah that's it, the only it, way. It, I, it was it was the end that he certainly needed to yeah. to, to ram it on because if he would have beat Yusuf and obviously he, he denied this to me in private chats, I don't think he could have walked away if he beat Yusuf. I really don't. I, I don't see with all them titles, his profile would have went through the roof. It would have soared. He would have been one of the biggest names in world boxing. Um, I don't know how well you could have walked away if you would have beat Yusuf, I really don't. And for the first three or four rounds in that fight, I thought we were going to get the miracle. And then, obviously, from about round six, you could just see the, the tide turning. Yusuf was finding the target a bit more frequently. Bellew was slowing down. And then, I think by, by the time it ended in the eighth round, it wasn't really a, a surprise to people then. Yusuf had turned the fight round brilliantly after a bit of a, a slow start from him where... Obviously, for four rounds, Bellew was his equal. Yeah. Um, Bellew was better than him for the first four rounds. And he then was. once Yusuf had like, reached fifth gear, he just showed what a special fighter he was. And, and Bellew, unfortunately, just couldn't live with him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, I, I you know at the time, it was painful. Now I look back at it, and, and I truly believe that was the the only way the bomber could ever gone out. And you know, people were saying it, it, it was uncomfortable viewing watching him got, get knocked out like that. Of course, it was. But he's done that his entire career to other people, so that it comes a point where you think you 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 play you know you live by the sword, you die by the sword kind of thing. So I ultimately have got no regrets about that's how he went out. I think that was the perfect way to go at the very top of the tree. Uh, before we wind up the show, guys, I want to get going on 
your prospects for 2019. Who are your standouts from Merseyside? The ones to watch. I'm going to start with you, Foz. Mishak Spear. He's been he's been he's been relatively inactive, um, and he's admitted to me that he would like to be a, a lot more active. But in the in the fights that he's had and the performances that he's put in, he's looked very very good. Yeah, and it's um it's only a matter of time before, uh, before he he sort of. As that push and well, kicks on, I think more than a push, Chris, it's the opportunity, isn't it? You know, we're talking about a fighter here. That's as, that fights at Grand Central Hall and Greenbank Sports Centre. Nobody knows. You might, you could have thirty fights at done locations and still not move forward. Yeah, it's, it's, it's social media profiles. Quite, I don't think he bothers with social media much, neither. It's got um, to in this day and age. Yeah, it is. He, he's just, he's quite, he's he's got a lovely personality, Mishak as well. Like I said, if you could get him in front of a camera or get him on this show or anything like that, um, then as I said. He, his true side had come out and I think he would appeal to people but he can fight Mishak and, and I think obviously with Everton Red Triangle doing some pro shows I think it's with Black Flash yeah. um, with Pat Barry from Manchester so I think Paul Stevenson's ambitious about his club and he puts his club first so if he can get like seven or eight shows Everton Red Triangle shows and get Mishak Spear and all of them get him up to ten and all with maybe seven or eight knockouts maybe promoters will come looking at him then and then obviously he can start getting the the big meaningful fight he, he can have because he can fight Mishak. He's a brilliant fighter. He was a, a solid pal for amateurs. I remember we used to watch Bellew as amateurs, Nick, and he was the only guy on the show who'd, who'd get the knockout or yeah. get a stoppage. Mishak was like that for a while, even when he was fighting as a schoolboy. Wicked left up to the body and lovely kid. I really hope he can he can do something in 2019, Mishak, because he's certainly got the talent to do it. Who else are you picking out for the year? Uh, he's not a prospect, but... I'm, I, my you eyes you are going can't to be, pick him then? No, no, my, <laughs> my eyes in 2019 are going to be on Jazza Dickens in his American adventure. Um, yeah. I, I say he's not a prospect, but it's like he's starting out again, um, going to America where no one really knows him. So, <laughs> just when you, when you follow on Instagram, you see his stories. Um, we had him on this show last week, and the Fight <laughs> Disciples absolutely love the kid. Yeah, I, I FaceTime every now. I say FaceTime, it's the is it the video message on Instagram? That's yeah, what yeah. I do. And like, once his fight, we just spend about the first 40, 50 seconds just laughing. We don't even say hello to each other or speak. Like, he sees my face, I see his, and we just laugh for about 30, 40 seconds. But going to America, I think where the, the landscape's changed over there now, I, th- I think Jazza will. Get opportunities over there. Um, I think he's being looked after by good people in Florida. Um, he certainly made a mark in the, the Fifth Street gym where he's gone. Yeah. Um, and some of the stories, like I said, I think he was sharing a, a hostel with like Dominicans and Cubans and Mexicans and stuff like that. And Jazz is going to be someone I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I think on on British shows. Um, I know we spoke about them earlier, but I think. Anthony Fowler and Craig Glover. I think yeah. they're two people who are going to be getting a lot of spotlight on them in 2019, a lot of knockouts. And like I said, I think Fowler's 2019 is pretty much mapped out already. It's going to be Scott Fitzgerald um, yeah. in the first quarter <laughs> and then Cheeseman by the summer. Two fights that I think he'll win in style as well. So I want to say Fowler and Glover over here and, and my old mate Jazza Dickens in America. So... Fingers crossed them three guys can have good 2019s. Yeah, absolutely, of course. And you know, I think the whole city now and the whole country, in fact, is behind Callum Smith. Let's hope he gets a big fight at Anfield in May. That would be absolutely incredibly special. I'll keep an eye on Super Sam Maxwell as well, who's, who's uh, out again this upcoming weekend. Could be his fifth uh, outing of 2018. Super Sam, unlike the likes of Meshach, has got MTK behind him, is getting on 
big uh, big Frank Warren shows. He is getting those opportunities, and that does make all the difference. So I think you've got it right there. We're looking at Meshach Spear, Anthony Fowler, Craig Glover, and Sam Maxwell are probably our four to watch. See, we're not sitting on the fence. We could have picked one each, but we're not. We're just going to pick four, whether you like it or not. Uh, they're our ones to watch from this city for 2019. All that's left to say is, once more, congratulations to Callum Smith, our Boxer of the Year, to Darren Till, our MMA Fighter of the Year. Have a wonderful Christmas, a smashing new year, and we will all literally be back in 2019 for plenty more knockouts. Plenty more finishes for Merseyside boxers and fighters and hopefully we finally get a UFC championship belt and we get a couple more world titles to join Callum Smith. I'll see you in the new year. This is the Fight Disciples and if you want more from us, visit fightdisciples.com or hit us up on social media at Fight Disciples. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.